0: to the collective hunch hi jenny hi
1: caitlin i've not seen you for so long
0: <laughs> i was gonna say my favorite part of this podcast is that we do this super awkward introduction like we haven't just been chatting before we've recorded i know and we, we, we don't live together so like <laughs> we see each other constantly and then we do this super awkward hi how are you doing today yeah it's like I'm like there's nothing
1: to say that you don't already know.
0: And we have to spend like 10 minutes talking over this app that we record on like discussing the episode. Yeah. Which we do we do every week. Yeah. And then we still do the hi. And we sound <laughs> really enthusiastic and fake and I love it.
1: Yes. Like cheerleaders,
0: super peppy. And if you know me, you know that I'm not super peppy. So this is great. Yes. Everything I want. <laughs> Dude, you do not want super peppy and me. That would, I mean, you're weird. I think the two of us on that level would drive us both insane. Yep. But shall we get to the news, Caitlin? We shall. Do you want to go? I think. I mean, neither of our news is really that um great. To be honest, I mean, the both got his good news.
1: Yeah, I think you go first because.
0: Mine is almost related.
1: Yeah, and also like I feel like mine's more uplifting in terms of it's a really it's a nice thing that's happened.
0: <laughs> so we'll do my comment on society, shall we say? Because yes. it's not really news and then we'll get to your news. Yep. But as we discussed uh, last week, we are skipping the battle in terms of theater news because nothing is happening. No So this is where we've got to, people. This is what's happening. My news this week, or comment on society, as I'm going to have to call it this week, is don't be mean on social media, people, because why would you do that, for one? This comes from, in this particular case, because they've never been mean on social media, what's wrong with you, people? A lot of things, apparently. Well, yeah. So my particular reason for saying don't be mean is... As you all know, we like six musical koala in this house. It's been mentioned on pretty much every episode. Pretty much, yeah. But one of the tour queens uh, recently posted on social media about bootlegs and quite rightly said that bootlegs are illegal, which they are. It's copyright issue. And as she said in her into the story the after she posted because this thing really blew up on social media it's protecting everyone's creative rights and it's not just the performers you've got the writers set designers costume designers sound designer line, line design and obviously a whole lot of people that get involved in shows so the lovely Lauren Byrne who plays Jane Seymour on the sixth musical tour just put up a post saying you know, bootlegs were legal can you please not put them on YouTube and she was very lovely about it because it's Lauren, and she seems like a sweetheart. I don't know her, but from what I gather from social media, she's lovely. And all she said was, it's illegal, please don't post them, and then please come see shows when they're open again, which I think is a very nice way of putting it, and quite a reasonable request, really. Wouldn't you agree, Jenny?
1: Yeah. I mean, I hate any... I mean, we could all talk about how much we hate when you go... You've paid money to go and see a show, and then someone either you know, near you, next to you, in front of you, it's just uh, like if they've got the phone up filming or that you, even if you're just taking a picture and also especially with six when right at the end they let you, you get allowed, your you allowed yeah, to exactly. film they encourage you they like they say on the last number get your phones out and i'm to film this exactly and then even like every kathy parr takes the phone like some will take someone's phone from the audience and like do like selfie video mode like on the stage so I feel like, ugh, come on, like they're trying to, you know, make a difference and do that. So you don't need to get your phone out for the rest of it. And also like, it's shitty quality. You're not doing anyone a, a decent service. And like like you said, like it's it's copyright, it's massive copyright
0: issues and just don't do it. The actual reason I'm talking about this on the episode is that it ended up being this massive thing of people having a go firstly at Burn and other queens that posted it, uh, Lauren Drew, who plays Catherine Vardin on the tour, Grace Marat, Queen Grace, the original Swing, who played all of the roles when it was just her. So it's been a very long segment in the news, but moral of the story, bootlegs were legal and... Don't be a thinking, dick! <laughs> especially, like, the people who are doing it, supposedly, six fans, so... I mean, the whole point of six is like inclusivity and you know queens fix to the crowd, fix each of those crowns, and it's meant to be like a lovely fandom, very supportive just don't do it no be better people. And on that rant, Jenny, what is your news?
1: Ah, so my news. So Chester Zoo, which is an amazing zoo in terms of its, like, breeding programme, are not going to go, are not basically going to go into, it's liquidation, the right word. Can you say that about a zoo? Well, yeah, because it is a business. Well, they basically, they they put up a, a call out for people, like, for fundraising issues because they were getting a lot of debt from being shut,
0: but they
1: from monday so when so today when this episode is released the zoo is allowed to open 15th of june all zoos are allowed to reopen so it means you know they'll be able to keep running and the future's not going to seem completely bleak for them anymore because whilst they were shut like there was so like with everything there's so much uncertainty about you know are we able to be able to stay open in the long run like what's the future like for us but it just means it's great because they can reopen. They can keep doing the great work that they always do. And it also means that my mum messaged me with it. She she commented on, like, I think it was the Manchester Evening News article saying that they were going to reopen. Or it might have been actually the Chester Zoo Facebook page itself. And she just put, birthday trip. So now I'm even more excited because I might be going to the zoo on my birthday, which is just everything I want in life. And that is our news. It I is. We apologise. Yeah, don't be a dick, go and see some animals. Shall we get to the episode? I think we should.
0: Yes. It, it, it's a great one. It is, it was really nice. We're very excited to introduce a guest we don't actually know, so welcome to the show, Elaria Pattery. Hello. Hello.
1: <laughs>
0: Hello. <laughs> Everyone always sounds mildly terrified once I've done the introduction, it's great. <laughs> that not
1: knowing what to say
2: it's like hi that's that's about it that's all I've got right now yeah no I promise I do have a personality lurking around somewhere <laughs> a time, it?
1: <laughs> oh, so how are you Laria? how's how's life going for you
2: I'm good I think we're all just trying to make this time into a bit of a positive aren't we I think we want to leave this time being like oh well in that little bit of time we we learn a new language or we got abs or we became vegan or something so i'm just i mean i'm not doing any of those things but i think i'm trying to just sort of get on with as much as i can
1: yeah it's like yeah it's still trying to be a bit normal isn't it within the really not normal world
2: yeah just to sort of so that you go to bed in the night and you're like right i have done something today and i think that then sets up your next day to be positive doesn't it if cuz you do feel like rubbish if you've had a day where you've done nothing you feel like crap don't you so why I'm just trying to sort of get on as normal as I can.
1: So seeing as we don't really know you and um, this is the first time we're chatting to you do you want to just give us like a brief your like brief introduction about yourself yeah and who you are what you do and all that jazz. Yes.
2: Yeah, so my name is Ilaria Passery I'm an actress and a writer and I think i I'd spent years trying to just get lots of auditions so I just relied on my agent for ages and then as I sort of got older and nothing was really happening I then started writing a comedy blog I was doing I was doing that classic thing that loads of actors do where you say you're an actor but really you just do loads of promo so I was like I was an elf in the Arndale for like 4 years at their Christmas grotto and I was doing loads of promo work like I was just handing out cough at the train station. I was a Barker crawl babe where you dress up as like a, a German wench and just like take stag dudes around pubs and stuff. And I was talking to my mum and she said, if you don't start writing all this down and like turning it, turning the funny stuff like into a positive, then it's wasted. So I started writing funny stories and then they started getting put on Huffington Post UK. And then in just sort of the past sort of six months, I've been working on turning all the stories into a full-length storytelling show for adults and I was booked into Camden Fringe in August but it's all been cancelled so I'm just carrying on just writing that uh, writing of the stories started doing some stuff for kids as well so yeah that's a little bit
1: about me. So the one you're doing for Camden mm. is that one you've done before like have you trialed it elsewhere or is it a completely brand new one that no one's ever seen?
2: Ah uh, so I did in um in October I went to York and I did a preview of the show and then I did another one at the King's Arms, just um, like a showing of it, it was very informal and then I got a producer after that and then we've been working together, he's a creative producer so we've been working together to sort of like tidy it all up and make it a lot more polished and then I did that about two weeks before lockdown Gulliver's in the northern quarter and I was so excited because we, we booked in to do another one in May then June and July so that we were all ready for Camden and then oh lockdown so Aww. yeah so it, it's been like we've been working on it for a little while. Yeah that's good is that the um is that the Lady Lara's Draws one? Yeah. Or is that a different one? Yeah, this is Lady Elaria's Draws, Tales of a Confused Life, which is all taken from my blog, but then like rewritten. So it's like one story, not 12. So yeah, it's it's been a really nice process. It was just bad timing, really. But it's affected us all, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, a lot of people have said that, like, they felt like this was the year stuff had finally started getting rolling for them or they felt like it was going to be a good year, and then this all hit, and it was like, oh, okay, well, thanks for that.
2: Yeah, no, me as well. I was like, this will be my year, and loads of my friends were saying it as well. I think maybe we all jinxed it, you know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think we <laughs> well, did. Well, all well, of the, all those New Year's resolutions have not helped. Yeah. How was it? Was the feedback? How was your feedback? Did you get um? So when you did that, the previews and the showings, did you get people to give you any kind of feedback? or was it just like how was it your own perception of how it was working
2: yeah um I got really good feedback and it was a lot of stuff that I could have then worked on and and it was it was all looking really positive like too positive really I, sh- oh, I should have guessed all this was going to happen but um my producer is a is a guy called michael jacobs and he was um a comedy exec producer at the bbc a few years ago so he'd worked on lots of sitcoms that i'd grown up watching so it was a really good combination um and he's sort of he's very he's very quick to tell you when you've done something good but then he's very very honest and i think i'm at an age now where i don't mind if someone's brutally honest with me it's like i need it um i turned 32 in december and it's like right just be brutal with me now and I need to know. So it's been a really good, we've been a really good team and he loves this kind of work as well that I'm doing. And he invited some people that he trusts the opinion of a lot and they were all really positive. Obviously there was a few things that needed to be fixed about it, but on the whole it was really positive and it was stuff that, I could have ironed out in time for the Camden Fringe in August, but it's just bad timing, but it does but I can still keep writing. That's the thing. This is a good opportunity to write and refine stuff. So I'm taking it as a bit of a positive.
1: Yeah. So are you writing about that? So have you gone back to that show and are writing more with that, or are you like doing something completely different?
2: So I have done a rewrite of that, of that show, not a complete rewrite, but I've done like tweaked and stuff and filled in a few gaps that it needed. But I've also been writing children's stuff as well. I've recently it just went out yesterday for Spot on Lancashire, have been doing a project called Spot on Stories. And it's all about um, writers and storytellers in isolation. So I've just done a children's story for them. And it's been lovely. So I'm actually going to start doing a few more children's stories, but not have them on my existing blog, because that's all just for grown-ups. So I'm going to set up another one for the children's stuff and then have it as like a link blog. So I've been doing new projects as well, but um, I have been thinking about the other one as well.
1: Yeah, it's all, it's too difficult to put to bed, I guess,
2: because you're like, mm-hmm. I should be doing that now and I can't. Oh no, I know it's horrible, every time like you, you go through your diary and you have a new day and you're like, oh, I should have I should have had a dentist appointment today, I can't. So it is, it's so weird.
1: I know, I mean, I think I've lost my diary, like. I think I put Ooh. it somewhere so I couldn't actually look at it because I was like no it's just gonna make me sad it's just gonna make yeah, me too
2: it's sad. It's nostalgic isn't it like oh the day I went there and oh I got the tram that day no just leave it.
1: Yeah know. no I'm not getting the tram ever again.
2: Well, I can't imagine doing it you
1: know. I can't and also have you seen that they have stopped the single fares now as well?
2: Yeah how weird is that so now you've got to go and touch that dirty screen you can't just buy a ticket to market street yeah
1: really? i know yeah you've got to touch in or out i was like oh i'm not going to do that though i'm just gonna bite the bullet and get the return fare not that it is much more expensive i say that like it's like an extra three quid but it's i'm like that 20p it's Jenny. It's yeah it is i'm like i'm sorry but that's 20p i could get a freddo with that you know so oh, no.
2: <laughs> no, you know, the thing is it's like because there's because our lives are so odd at the moment, things like that are like major gossip. Like, you yeah. thought, I'm like, have you seen what they've done with the tram? Now you, you can't just... And it's like, that doesn't really matter. And If that had happened a few months ago, no one would have cared. You wouldn't have even bothered telling anyone, whereas now I've told everyone. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that could be a podcast as well. <laughs>
1: And also, I have to say, you've got a title for your, a, a new story as well. Like, you could do a whole thing about the tram fest. Oh, because people would be outraged. That would be very accessible, wouldn't it? it? It would, yeah. It could also be a children, don't get the tram. Okay, stay away.
2: Oh, yeah, because, oh, well, can you just imagine touching the, like, the dirty poles again and the seats and... Oh, yeah. Like, In the train. I can't even imagine it. I know. It's grim. It would feel so strange. The things we've found to talk about during lockdown, is getting a
0: bit worrying, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it is. I know, it's so, literally anything though, anything like you were saying, I will cling on to and tell everyone. Like I'll yeah. ring my mum like every day or message her like, oh, have you seen on this morning? This is what's happening. Because <laughs> I know mean, she'll be watching
2: it. Me, I care all about the weird things because it's the things that are keeping us going and I think it's, it's the things that are bonding all of us because we almost don't want to get too far into the deep stuff just because when you do it for a few days on the trot, it becomes exhausting it's overwhelming isn't it so I think yeah. I'll have like a few days of taking in all the news and everything and then I'll have to have a few days where I'm just talking rubbish watching rubbish because it's just easier to process isn't it I have to mention this because I saw this on your
1: website I I was I messaged Kate and I was like, "Yes, this is this is amazing." I like that you describe yourself like chocolate with ch- chili, sweet with a touch of what the fuck. I was
2: like, "That's amazing." Uh, yeah, that quote's from my mum actually. I think it's because obviously I wear like the, the 50s dresses and I've got the curly hair and the tiara and I think it maybe looks like it's quite a like my photos maybe look like they're quite sweet, but then when you read when you read the stuff and see me perform, it's not it's not cutesy at all. It's like when I when I do the show, how I do the setup is I've got a, um, a miniature chest of drawers that was just from Ikea. I think every single student has had those chest of drawers and I just <laughs> paint them up and I've got all my weird little props, like my little rubber chicken, my toy monkey and all my bits and barbs and then a, a really sweet crocheted blanket and I think it looks like it's cute and then you hear the stories and you're like, oh no, that they're all a bit weird, like this one about all of my dead pets when my mum had to snap her cat in half to shove it into a box and all about like the weird things that people show me on trains and like the times I've had being an elf when father christmas pooed himself and it's like none of it oh my god that's amazing that <laughs> but the, the setup sounds like it's cutesy I think so I do like that that quote was really good for my mum it's really good. I literally, like, yeah. I completely understand as well. I think a lot of people that do stuff like this would be like, oh, the hilarious so-and-so, uh, or oh, a, a hilarious take on this, or a, a, a twist on And it's like, no, don't do that. Just It needs to just be something that's quite original to you. So that's why yeah. when my mum said it, I was like, oh, I'm having that.
1: I also, I love that, like, your stories are based on, like, how you say, like, your bizarre childhood. Like yeah. I was watching the one. Was it when it was like talking about you and your siblings going to? Was it Rascals? The um. Oh yeah, yeah. But I know again, like I was like I remember like stuff like that, like when I'd go to like I think like Wacky Warehouse and stuff mm. like that. So is it like is it like a good like fond memory of your childhood? Yeah. How, think... how true how true are the stories to your childhood? Is basically I think what I'm trying to ask.
2: Ah uh, now the interesting thing is if um the earlier stories that I did they were much shorter and they're all pretty much completely true. And then as I sort of learned more about writing and structure and stuff, I started to, to embellish a lot more. So actually that the one the one that you're talking about about the play centre, the matchstick kids some of that is completely true and other bits are are embellished but the earlier stories that i wrote are completely true so it is there is a big mixture there but i did have a weird childhood but i think that was because i grew up in a village and village life yeah. is bizarre plus yeah. um, i'm sort of half italian half scottish and that's quite a strange mix and then add in village life and i think i'm 32 so we're going some of them are going back quite a long time but then when you add in village and then coming from a poor background, it's like they're even further into the past. So, yeah, it has just been a bit of an odd an odd time growing up.
1: But also great news for you because you can use it.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think you've just got to turn these things into a positive, haven't you? Like all the rubbish jobs I was doing and things were happening and I was always I was I'd always moan to my mum saying oh why me again you know when you grow up and you just you feel like you're a victim don't you and it's you look around and you're like you're so not when you realize yeah. how privileged you actually are but then but well, the minute I sat down to think right I've turned all these into funny stories turning them into positives I thought god it's just all material all of it even stuff yeah. that you think is just really normal and minuscule is a story I've got one that's just called Sunday crisps and it was just that in the village we lived in we lived opposite a village shop and we'd only have crisps on a Sunday so we'd go over to the shop and take about an hour to choose which bag of crisps we were going to have and that was it we thought that was normal but then growing up I was like oh Sunday crisps isn't a normal thing well that's a story there so yeah yeah just reminiscing about the past is just how I've found a lot of material have you spoken to your mum about a lot of that stuff then in terms of like remember or is it
1: based solely on your memories or do you like tend to chat to your siblings and family about it as well
2: I'll um I'll often like remember something and then when I go my parents live in York and then when I go over to visit them I'm like can we just have a little chat about this and then I'll Put it all into my phone, and sometimes I'll be part way through writing a story, and then um I'm like, right, I just need to phone my sister quickly, and then she'll remember loads of stuff that I've completely forgotten about. So that's what happened with the last story, the matchstick kids. I'd remembered that we used to go there, but I couldn't really remember anything else. And then my sister and my brother, they remembered loads of stuff, and I was like, Oh my god, it's like together we're one mind, so but only function when we're a three, it's really strange. So how long have you been doing your like stories and stuff like what was the
1: kind of turning point for you?
2: So the turning point was it was I'd had I'd had agents for so long and I was I was in a sketch group with two of my close friends um, and I'd met at university and we were doing gigs and stuff. But it was like it was like pulling teeth every time I had to meet up with them I was like oh god come on and I just kind of wanted to do things on my own and I was waiting around for auditions and obviously actors never get as many auditions as they want all actors say oh I never get auditions and that that's the thing is that there's so many of us and there's only a handful of jobs to be shared out that it's it's hard to to keep hopeful and stuff so I think you have an audition and you go right there's a bit of hope there because I've had that audition but then when you've got a while where you haven't had an audition and in the meantime you feel like you've not that you've not made any other sort of you're not any closer to your dreams because you're waiting on another audition so I'd I'd got the job as the elf at the Arndale grotto and then I was in my third year of being an elf there and I still wasn't getting many auditions. And my mum was like, right, you've got to start writing a blog. So the first story that I wrote was about being an elf. And there was a girl, the girl that was the manager of the Grotto at the time, she um, she wanted to be an actress as well. So she was, well, she was an actress. She was doing lots of auditions and stuff, but hadn't, hadn't had a big break. And she said, look, I'm not going to come back next year. If I've made it, I'm not going to come back. You should do the same. So I was like, yeah, yeah, if I've not made it, I'll come back as well. Well, the next year she didn't come back because she'd been casting a sitcom and I was back and I was like oh for god's sake I'm back again she's made it here I am again you know an elf at the age of 31 and um, then I just really knuckled down and started doing a lot more writing and then things just started like little things just started happening and I think you've just got to remind yourself of that like sometimes you think oh god I'm not getting anywhere and then you think well this time last year I didn't have a show or you know I wasn't I hadn't written this or so I think it's just about setting your your own goals I think turning 30 was a big one as well that's when I was like right I know it's young but you imagine that you'd have done certain things by 30 I don't know who imposed this 30 rule but I think you have just have it in your mind don't you that by 30 I'll have done something
1: yeah I think it's also as well, because like so many, especially like for women, everyone's always like, oh, well, I remember he was quite a well-known actor. Well, I I think he is, depends if you've seen his stuff, but he's done quite a few like TV and film and he came to my uni and I was asking him, just asking him some questions afterwards after he'd done this like massive Q&A chat. I'm not going to say who it is. I'll tell you after. And uh, he basically said to me, he asked me how old I was and I was, how old was I? I think I was 20 at the time. And I was just asking about the industry and um, getting into it and finding an agent and drama school and all that. And he basically said, well, because you're a woman, if you don't make it by 30, I'd give up. Don't bother then because then you'll be seen as old and you'll find it really difficult to get into the industry.
2: And I do remember you like, like 20 more would be like, okay, thanks. How normative is that? And how, like, wrong is that as well that's not accurate at all that's i know it it's such it's such a um traditional
1: still old-fashioned view that women just aren't going to get any work after they turn 30 because they've passed it
2: and i'm like come on different as well everyone's completely different because it completely depends on your casting and what it is you want to do i mean it's we're all so different and i think well this is the thing with me i thought oh i just maybe i wasn't very castable maybe like my look wasn't very in at the moment or Something just wasn't right about I don't know like maybe I had the wrong kind of headshots or maybe my show you know you can you can pick apart your spotlight your spotlight um CV for hours can't you when really it's just sometimes some people just don't get stuff not everybody will get lots of work so I think I'd just sort of try to pave away something else for myself I'd still love to be in a sitcom and stuff but I couldn't just focus on that because. That wasn't happening, so yeah. I'm just trying to give myself something else, which I think we all do now. You rarely meet an actor that is only an actor. Loads are like, oh, I'm a writer. I'm also a producer. Loads do other things as well. So I think do what you want. And 30 is no age, it really isn't. It's just like Thinking it is on. like you're
1: saying like this weird. We've almost like because other people have said it, but we almost have all started telling ourselves, oh, that's that's the you know that's the age where if you've not made it, then oh you need to reevaluate. But it's, yeah. it's just, it's bollocks, really, because you can, like you said, like some people like don't make it, make it, I say that in like inverted commas, like, yeah, they don't, you know, they don't actually get their big break or whatever till they could be like 40 at least. And and like you said, it's just because suddenly there's something about them that has people have gone, yeah, actually, they'll be perfect for this. Or actually, no, I can see them doing this. I want them in for that. And yeah it's just it's all it's like right fit at the right time basically
2: absolutely it can happen at any time as well this is the thing like you I always I'm always torn between that whole thing of do I stay a little bit different or do I try to then be a little bit look sort of more versatile but then what if I always imagine like what if one day I decided right I'm gonna straighten my hair I'm gonna be a size a I'm gonna try and have a, a really neutral accent but then what if that same day someone wants someone who is a size 12 with really big curly hair do you know what I mean I always think it's so like potluck isn't it on what on timings of stuff as well yeah and certainly well, so certain,
1: your hair is fabulous oh, I'd never straighten that
2: ah uh, well interesting you said that because I've only been sort of embracing the curly hair for not even a year I oh, spent really? 31 years straightening my hair like mad. Yeah. yeah. And then I just thought, oh, for God's sake, right. There's other things to do than spin yeah. that out. And it was never that straight anyway, because it didn't stay straight. Yeah. And it kind of just fits like with the way that I, I do the show. It, I think having like the curly frizzy hair just sort of is part of it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's your, it becomes your personality, your hair.
2: Yeah. It's it's silly, isn't it? And I, so I mm. just thought, I'm just gonna keep it like that because there's life is too short to be even you know, like as grown ups we've got so much to do, haven't we? Like Oh, not enough hours in the day. So why waste one of those hours straightening my hair? It's pointless because nobody cares yeah. anyway.
1: Yep. And it's also one of those things where people with straight hair are always like, Oh, I wish I had your curls.
2: It's it's yeah. it's
1: always like it is always like that thing, you always want what you can't have and Oh,
2: we're silly, aren't we? I know. Just go with what with what feels right for you. And I think This is the thing, I think, as being an actor, you're always like, right, I've I've got to be this certain way, and sometimes that just doesn't feel right to you, and you can only sort of keep up that pretense for so long, because loads of people that we sort of see and we aspire to be that are in films and theatre, the people that we are drawn to and what we want to be like and we think they're wonderful, are people that have maybe just gone with a bit more what comes natural to them, and that becomes what they're known for, so you can only pretend to be this perfect castable actor for so long, I think, which is why maybe a lot of people do give up when they're sort of in their early to mid-30s because they're just sick of it. When if they just mm. sort of embraced what came a bit more natural to them, they might find that things start to happen or yeah. not, and then it, that's depressing. But you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> also, uh, So I was looking at your spotlight
1: as a do with everyone but you have
2: you have managed to like get a
1: couple of commercials as well haven't
2: you yeah not for a while but yeah adverts they, they are just they're fun aren't they yeah well I, I say that I've done I've, well, I've only done
1: auditions for them but yeah they are they're bonkers The what well the specific ones that can be absolutely bonkers and a right laugh and then I guess it depends I guess it depends who's commissioning them yeah like
2: with anything so the first advert I did I was I think I was I was 26, 20, no, 25, yeah, no, I was 26, i just turned 26, God, even that feels a long time ago, and they were looking for, so I used to be a lot trivia and I was, they were looking for a child, sort of like, for age 14 to 15, a teenager, for um, these adverts in Ireland that were for smaller food portions for children, so they, they called me in and I was like, oh, this is weird, because there were actual children there, and then I thought, well, this is going to be a write-off, but I'll just use it as just an experience. And they called me back and they're like, right, we want you to come to the recall. And there were actual children there that day again, which was bonkers. I would have looked like I would have been like their mum, really. But then they called me up and they were like, right, we, you've got the part of the teenager so that was weird and then on the day when i went there i was there in my school uniform and stuff and there was so there was me that was supposed to be 14 then there was like a nine-year-old version of me which was just this little chubby girl with dark hair then there was a five-year-old version again just just a fat kid. and the guy that played my dad was like 32 and I was talking to her, I was like, God, I'd just be mates with this person. This is really this is really odd. And all I had to do that day was eat a bowl of spaghetti bolognese, and that was it. And that was like thousands of pounds. And I was like, oh, oh, this That's is a dream, crazy. isn't it? I was like, this is my daily rate now. This is freelance <laughs> great. And then I didn't get anything for ages. But yeah. obviously with an advert, the great thing is, is a few years later that got put on TV again. So I just got that money again for just eating spaghetti bolognese years ago. Brilliant. Love that. But they're they're hard, they are hard to come by, aren't they? Because that one was very specific and then I lost weight and then I ended up being then just a normal size, which isn't really I think being a bit bigger or then like very slim, they're the, the ones that maybe there's a few more casting, but just being normal is nothing. The best yeah, it's weird, isn't it? though was the Visit Scotland one that you'll see on there. Yeah. That was the best one. We just went on a road trip around scotland oh. for a week it was brilliant we got to do oh, some amazing. amazing things and yeah that that was probably one of the best jobs i've done so you just got, literally just got to drive around scotland yeah it was brilliant so it was for visit scotland for their tourism board and it was they just they chose sort of just a handful of people that they thought would be up for a laugh that raised between 25 and 35 just to just to go around on this road trip, we got put in the nicest ever hotels. We had amazing food. We got to do, we, we got to do loads of like glass painting workshops. We did um, sand sandboarding, is it called sand surfing or something like that? Where you run uh, like yeah. these little flag things around the sand. We got to do loads of amazing activities, and they just filmed us all, and then it was on like every night for like a week, just like adverts. It was just brilliant. But again then you kind of think oh this is brilliant then you come home you're like oh you've then got a while with nothing so it's really it's like the highs and lows are crazy aren't they yeah
1: yeah they are it's yeah it is one of these things where you go if someone came up to me and was like oh how how do you find it like is it brilliant and you're like it can be and they're like what's your advice I'm like don't do it. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I know, <laughs> like, darling, How could you be? And everyone's different. Everyone's journey's different as
1: well. Yeah. I also loved, because I love when this happens, like looking through people's spotlights and going, oh, you've done that. So, you know, it says you've done stuff with comedy sports. Oh, yeah. Like the stand-up course. Yeah. Did you because we've got a couple of friends who work for comedy sports did you bump into did you meet Kate McKay
2: yeah I know Kate McKay oh did, amazing we did, oh we did the improv workshops together so oh god I'm going back a long time so I went to Soul for Uni so I was taught by Bron um, and I did a module called TV comedy performance where you like you write you write a mini sitcom with other people on your course and then you film it like a studio-based sitcom so Bron taught me and we how we wrote that is we kind we used a lot of improv to like to generate material and then Bron was like you should come to the improv classes so I went there and Kate was just on the course as well like this was before she became a bit more established I'm going back now I've got about 2011 yeah so she was a stand-up but obviously she's she like she gigs all the time now, doesn't she? but back yeah. then she was doing the course, yeah, she's lovely, I love that I love it when it happens when you, yeah. meet, when you
1: go, oh, you know this, especially in Manchester, it always happens in Manchester. you can't yeah, meet like another right. creative and not they don't know someone you know,
2: I't what, especially her, I feel like a lot of people know Kate as well. she's just one of those people, isn't she, yeah, and she's just such
1: like i don't think I don't think anyone's ever said a bad word about Kate McCabe, oh, and how could yeah. I know well Airport if anyone ever, yeah if anyone ever tried to say a bad word I'd be like stand down because we've got a posse waiting to destroy you yeah.
2: <laughs> and during that course she cause she makes amazing cocktails doesn't she and she invited oh, yeah. me and um this other girl that well she's a teacher but she did the. this is the thing about those improv courses everybody did them and it was like you'd be there and you'll be chatting to someone who's a stand-up then you'll chat to someone else who works in IT and then someone who's a doctor and you're like God, it's just mad. So she invited me and this other woman that's a teacher over to hers, and she—it was like just being in like this amazing bar in like this really cool city. And she was just like had all these nibbles out, and there was a guitar in the corner, and she just bring out all these cocktails in like the proper glasses. And she's just so cool, isn't she? Oh, she is. She she really is. Yeah, wow. it's like always just grown up as well. Yeah. Like, oh, Without so even awesome trying, everywhere. she's just wonderful yeah she's cool
1: every time uh I find someone who knows kate mccabe we always go off into like a massive chat about how we love her and want to be her
2: yeah she's very she's so confident and cool cool is just the word that i keep saying because she is isn't she yeah without even trying mm-hmm.
1: as well like she's cool just within her own right i feel like she came out of the room cool
2: yeah she's very charismatic yeah yeah absolutely oh we love you kate mccabe <laughs> it's just podcast
1: yeah <laughs> I also um, there's someone else on your CV that I've worked with as well uh, Brandon McCaffrey oh yeah I feel
2: like everyone yeah. as well
1: yeah so with his own theatre company oh god two play productions oh I he forgot them that would have been really bad wouldn't it but he yeah he did he directed a play uh, that I did and but for, so for the fight like a girl the play he did the writer of that is Andy Pilkington who yeah organizers is like a girl he's great as well he's doing really well actually he's, oh, again, it.
2: he's really cool isn't he and I, I love his whole like story how he's come from being like working in law and then it's like oh this is why I just love people that find their creativity later on because they've they're so much more interesting i think but i did another thing with him it was the adp panto like not this christmas just gone but the one before me and him were like the comedy duo and he's hilarious isn't he he's just he's such a character and we had to, we had to sing you know, that song Spano ballet you are gold but you are gold deluxe. and i can't sing <laughs> at all but luckily he can so i just could yeah. sort of like mine but all those years of watching rupaul like finally paid off because i just got to Lipstick, sync for your life <laughs> yeah <laughs> he just sang I put away from my mouth every so often it was brilliant <laughs> <laughs> that is
1: amazing. do you still like look for stuff like that as well then as well as doing you know your one woman shows and one woman stories do you still like to try and find you know little bits in and around Manchester that you can still do as well
2: yeah just because it's I think it's just good to work with other people as well and and it's just always a nice thing to do like when I did the fight like a girl I but that piece was really good that I got to do and it's like that would be a role that I wouldn't have got to do otherwise it was um I got to play this crazy girl that her ex-boyfriend had split with her and she wasn't over it and I just had to have like my hair just all like really messy and had to wear like pajamas and it was where my character had ordered this vial of crabs from online and she was going to put them into his jeans and it was it was brilliant it was written by an American writer who um she, she loved that then her piece was was done in England like she was always Facebooking us from America like oh how did it go guys and and like she's been someone now that like I'd speak to a little bit online and it's just a really nice thing to do and that night so i'm with um, urban talent they're my agent and joy was she sat on the front row that night and that's when she was like oh you know i'd want you to join our agency and i think positive things can happen from doing local fringe stuff and you meet such lovely people as well so yeah, i'm always on the lookout for like new writing things to be part yeah. of definitely. i think you'd
1: uh, like with your writing would you write stuff for the stage but like for you know like a group of you like would you always still try and cast yourself in it but would you maybe do you know like uh, larger ensemble pieces
2: do you know what I haven't actually done that so when I was in my sketch group we'd put on plays I'm going back a long time ago now for other people and then I always really enjoyed that but since I started writing just on my own I haven't really written that much dialogue stuff everything I've written has been um story based so I haven't I haven't tried that. Like I've I've got like all the software on my computer to do it and stuff, but there's just something I like about a story that's just like stripped back and just very simple, like just like one person and a story. But yeah, I think in the future that is something that I would look to do as well, but I just I haven't done it at the moment. I'd always want to be in it though.
1: I know that's the thing, isn't it? Because yeah. again
2: like you like
1: making your own work. If you're going to write it I'm like, well, I want, I want to be this character because I've written it. So
2: Yeah, and, and no one else has no written it for me. So I, I want to make sure I get to do it. So there's yeah. a little bit of that. Like, I sometimes think, oh, I'm a proper writer. And then I'm like, oh, but, but I want to be in it still. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, not yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you, I guess actually, if you do it for, if you write for more than one person, like a group of you, you'd be like, well, I want to be this character. I know it's the lead, but I'm still doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. You were uh, talking about yourself there as well, Jenny? Uh
1: might be <laughs> yeah. a little bit. No, that, I've never done that. I don't know what you're talking about, Caitlin. So, you know, obviously Camden Fringe isn't going ahead.
2: Yeah.
1: So I don't know what's happened with that. Is like everything being postponed to next year in terms of like are you getting being able to get the same spot on the same venue as for next year or is it just kind of all gone up in the air?
2: Well, this is the thing. I would I managed to get my well, my producer did the application form and he managed to get the hens and chickens in camden oh amazing With, yeah no so that would be that would be like the dream venue anyway but i think that they've posted saying that they're having trouble at the moment and they've put out like a help me um like funding oh, page. yeah this, there's so many amazing venues are struggling aren't they even really established venues are struggling like ones that you sort of see as or well, that they're a rich venue even they're having problems so i mean ideally i'd I'd love to have that venue again because it would be perfect for the kind of thing I'm doing as well. So fingers crossed, I just think everything's up in the air, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah. Oh, I hope you can be able to put it on
1: because that would be good, especially because, like, you've done all your previews and, you know, you feel like you're getting it into a good place. Like, to then not be able to completely, you know, completely perform it and do, like, a couple of runs of it is just, like, oh, it's heartbreaking.
2: It is, isn't it? And I think there's so many people in my position as well where it's like, oh... Now the only problem is, is when it's sort of a uh, few months ago, before it had been announced as being cancelled. Me, and my producer was saying, you know, it won't be a surprise if it's cancelled. But we were saying, like, if it's still on, but it's all sort of a last-minute thing, then what do we do? Do we still put the show on, but it's in a rougher state? But then everyone else's will be as well. So because it would have been kind of like if it had been still going ahead, everyone's shows there would have essentially been like a work in progress anyway. And I was like, right, I'd still be up for that. But then in a way, because the choice has been taken away, it just forces you to make your show for next year even better. So it doesn't mean being lazy and going, oh, I've got loads of time. It's like, it's an opportunity to get a massive head start on it. So that's what I'm I'm viewing it like that. Let's just make this as good as possible and then have a brilliant time next year with it.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Everyone's going to enjoy it so much more because like they've been starved of it for a year.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I think there is going to be like a massive hunger for live stuff again because it's not the same as watching it online. Like I'm doing a lot of gigs online, um at spoken word events and cabaret events and stuff and it, it it's not the same. You sort of you're there no. and every you see everyone goes on mute and then I'm doing them because I'm at a stage where I need I need to do them to to stay known. But oh, it's the magic's gone. The minute you can't, like, see someone and the energy in the room, and it's it's really, really odd. Yeah, I guess it's weird it's muting everyone as well,
1: because, does that mean you can't, like, if you do something and usually you think, oh, I'd I get a laugh there usually, but obviously if everyone's on mute, there's just nothing.
2: Yeah, oh, it's, re- it's really awkward. So you can sort of... S- you you feel like you're in an episode of Black Mirror, like you can see everyone on Zoom. So obviously yeah. you see all these, for some of the bigger gigs I've done, there's there's tons of people. So you'll just see all their tiny little boxes and then the host will be like, right, welcome uh, to the stage, Lady Larry or Larry through whichever one I'm going with that day. And then they suddenly put everyone on mute and then it's just you. And you're like, hi, thanks for having and it Oh God, it's so creepy. <laughs> oh yeah, oh <laughs> I can imagine. And then at the end you're like, thank you. <laughs> and you just you feel like you want to run away at that point you're like oh god so it, yeah it's really but we've but just got so weird to and to be fair i am getting used to it and i think i'm still making a lot of effort with it like I, I will still get dressed up i will still put my lipstick on and fluff up my hair and you know like practice before and and i think that's important to keep up your standard of of what you think makes you perform better like i can't imagine doing a gig and then not sort of having my eyeliner flicks on and all that. Whereas I'm seeing other people that'll be like reading this stuff from their phone, clearly in a hoodie they've been wearing for like three days. And I'm like, oh come on, like you've got to make it nice for yourself. Otherwise you are just gonna feel like rubbish. So I've I've got like a thing, I'll always brush my teeth before any gig, just it's like a thing that I'll just do. I'll brush them yeah. in the morning as well. But it's just and I'll always have a toothbrush and toothpaste with me. Not when I'm performing. I mean, like beforehand. I don't know, I walk on stage with them. But it's <laughs> like just bear with. Yeah, it's the thing that I do. It just it helps me. Like, right, I'm gonna go on now, and I know some of the people on Zoom have not brushed their teeth that day. And you're like, oh, it just <laughs> loses all sense of occasion. I think we've got to try and keep the little bits that we can maintain. Keep them going. Yeah. Very true. Yeah.
1: I wanted to ask as well, like, what drew you to Camden Fringe as opposed to, like, doing Man- the great Manchester one?
2: So I'd been doing a lot of gigs in Manchester anyway, and yeah. I just kind of wanted to – what I wanted to do was, was I, I was planning on doing open spots in Manchester uh, at the time of the Fringe anyway. So I, when people are doing, like, multiple bill nights, I would have been doing – 10 minutes on their night 10 minutes there anyway but then I wanted to do my show in Camden just because I wanted to have then done like a, a London show as well and it for me it was kind of that halfway point between doing a full fringe show but then not going to Edinburgh yeah yeah so I was going to go to Camden and do it and then because the things I mean in my head I'm like god I'd love to go and do a show my own show at Edinburgh Fringe I've been in other people's shows at the Fringe so I've had like a month-long run at the Fringe as part of someone else's project but going on my own I just didn't feel like emotionally I was ready to go just yet I think yeah. doing your own show there is is very different isn't it yeah
1: I mean I could I've I've done a month doing like two shows but uh, yeah I guess you've got other people because it's it's such a roller coaster the Fringe like yeah. it's in it's it's one of those things as well. Like me and Caitlin were talking about this before. Like before you go, you're like, I don't want to go. But when you're there, you have an absolute blast. Yeah. And um, because it's not happening this year, and like, and well, Caitlin, you were saying like, weren't you? Like you, because you can't go now, you're like, but I want to go now.
0: I know. Yeah, I, I used to go up for the month, and it's crazy. But are they not performing? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't get to do those hours this year. Well, that's a shame. Yeah,
2: yeah. exactly. And August without without Edinburgh is it's crazy i mean even if you only go up for like a weekend just not going up is going to be weird like when i've done other people's shows it's knackering isn't it like it's so, you just know it's going to be tiring it's just you don't go in thinking oh, it'll be relaxing you know, you're aware that you'll be exhausted but then i just thought going up and doing my own show on my own oh god i thought i just needed to just be a little bit a little bit more secure with what i'm doing because i'm yeah. still I'm, even though I've been a performer for such a long time, and then I've been writing for like a few years, I'm I'm very new to doing my own show, very very new to doing that completely on my own. So I wanted to sort of do Camden, I wanted to do my previews here, and then sort of in the north, and then go and do Camden, and then I'd have felt a little bit more secure in it after. But obviously everything's just gone a bit strange now, hasn't it? So there's always next year. Always next
1: year. How many nights was Camden? Were you going to do like a couple of shows down there or was it just like a one night, one day kind of thing?
2: I was going to be doing two. So I was going to do uh, one night, then have a night off to sort of then review it all, go over it again, iron out any tweaks and stuff, like have a big chat with my producer and then I'd have done then another night. So two in total. It's a good way of doing it. Yeah. Then like, you, you know, having that in between. Bit. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, they'll do show, 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 show. And they almost haven't had time to digest what they've done and sort of take any of it in and just sort of have an overview of it. It's just sort of full throttle. Plus, it's exhausting, isn't it? Especially when you're on your own. I think it's really emotionally draining that you do need that time just to take in what you've done.
1: Yeah, and be proud of yourself as well for it. Because, like I said, doing it on your own, it's like you you have to be so... And also content with your own uh, company as well, because if yeah. you're with other people, you could be like, that was great, wasn't it? Yeah, you were really good. Yeah. You, when you did that bit, that was great. And But like you kind of when you're on your own, you'll have to kind of do that all to yourself and go, OK, that bit didn't go very well. But actually, you were quite good on that bit. They like enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. But exactly. it's like, you know,
1: having like this weird conversation with yourself
2: well that's why it's been really good um having a producer like quite early on because i think so many people that do this kind of work fumble along for ages just on their own and it's it's so hard to have like those honest conversations with yourself like there'll be certain lines that as a performer and a writer you love you know god i love that line when really you you should probably get rid of it if it doesn't work for the rest of the show so i was doing I was doing, certainly before I got um, my producer, I was doing things like that, where I was like, God, I I love it when I say that. Oh, I really enjoy saying that bit. Well, maybe get rid of it, because if it doesn't work within the rest of the show, you can't cling on to it. Like, there's this phrase that my producer always says. He's like, sometimes you have to kill your babies. And it's like, you have to be prepared for, for something to work for an overall show. You just have to take certain bits out. And I'd have found that impossible on my own. I Well, I wouldn't have even entertained the thought. I'd have gone, right, I like that it's staying. Or I'd have kept bits that are just funny. When actually, when we've been going through lots of edits for the show, loads of bits that are taken out are really funny bits. But they just haven't worked for the overall structure of the show, like moving it forwards. So it's having that outside eye has helped me progress quicker than I would have done on my own. I probably wouldn't have moved yeah. forward at all if I was on my own. It'd have been nice, but it wouldn't have been well rounded, I don't think. Has he helped to um like market uh
1: like your show as well? Because I think that's one of the hardest things to do. I think marketing like I mean, other people, like a show you're in. For me, I I'm so bad at self promotion anyway. But like knowing how best to promote a show, a market, I find really difficult. So how like how do you go about doing that? Do you do that yourself, or do you get producers to do that for you?
2: Well, this is the thing. When I was doing that, when I did the show just before lockdown in Manchester, with that one, we didn't really market it. We did it as kind of um, invite only. We we invited people that we wanted, like the opinion of, and a few people very close to me. So we only had yeah. sort of like thirty people in each night, so we could probably have a chat with all of them and. It's quite an intimate show anyway because it's kind of set up like it is in my living room. But then when I did the show in York in October, the the first big showing of it, that was a venue called Spark in York, which is... Have you been to Hatch in Manchester? Yes. Yeah, so it's all like the independent retailers. Um, There's one in York... That's um called Spark and it's the same setup, all different containers and independent people. So they advertised it there, and that had a really nice turnout. But my producer that I've got is he's a creative producer, so he's not as much about like PR and stuff. And because lockdown happened so early on, we'd not really started to talk about that because Camden was so far in advance. So I've I haven't really done that at the moment. It's just me sort of promoting myself obviously I've got an agent for acting and then I have got my creative producer but I've not really I haven't really done that because it was Camden was so far in advance at the time but yeah that's a minefield that's its own job isn't it advertising your show oh yeah oh yeah
1: no it's because it's that thing again it's like right do I get all the posters and stuff but then I guess when you're not and then you're like, well, do I have to have a day then to go and put posters up around Camden, or like, are there certain shops I need to approach? Do I need to, you know, I need to approach the pub themselves? Do I email them over the poster? Do is there even a point? Is anyone going to look at the poster? Do I need a that program? I'm just crazy. like, yeah,
2: it's crazy, isn't it? Like people at the fringe, oh my god, it's it's chaos. But this yeah. is why I was so happy with getting that brilliant venue because people go to that venue anyway so anything that they do is well attended because it's just so brilliant and it's it's hard to get into so I was oh I was so happy I was really we were so relieved we were like oh my god yes brilliant that's such a good start but I don't I don't know how people even get anyone in at their show in Edinburgh. I know people that go up and they're brilliant they're so talented but they'll sometimes be doing shows for five people there's just so much on isn't there I know
1: well it's it's like flyering go away with like bunches of flyers and you're like I'm not gonna see like no. at, you know more than half of these shows because I haven't got the time the money and it just and, yeah and also you do it's horrible but because there's so much to see sometimes you do go off reviews of like you know like based on like if someone sees something they've gone this is really good everyone should go and see this you can't kind of like well I know that's going to be good because a lot of people have said it is
2: yeah exactly, and because you like I want to spend
1: my money wisely,
2: yeah, and I just think a lot of people already know what they're gonna watch before they even get there. yeah, that's true. I think Manchester's got a really i think the Manchester fringe scene though is usually very well attended, which is so lovely, obviously it's obviously it's you know smaller than like somewhere like London, but I just think that stuff is well attended because there's like a handful of key venues that people will always check to see what's on. And then I think it's everybody kind of knows you usually know someone that's in every show, don't you? At least one person. So there's quite a nice, a nice collective of pair of people that do just watch a lot of stuff. It's one of it as well as like Manchester Fringe. I mean, it can it can always do better.
1: But then also we need the spaces more, I think as well. Like yeah, I think there is that um, need for bigger and better spaces in Manchester.
2: Oh, absolutely, because. There'll always be someone to fill it. Someone will always put on a show there. There's loads. There's loads of us always trying to put stuff on. It's never going to be that somewhere. on oh, nobody uses it. It will be used for something: a rehearsal, a, a work in progress show, an actual show. It will always be used. And it's like Gullivers. Like I've done stuff at Gullivers before. Quite a lot of. Oh, the love Yeah. Yeah. And the eagle in and they just let you just get on with it as well. Like they're there if you need them, but they'll just let you get on with it. And so the room that I was using for my previous shows before lockdown was um the little room downstairs in Gulliver's and it is perfect for what I'm doing oh it's it, so good I love that room hasn't it just got everything like they've got like a like a, a light insert you can have like music in there and obviously you can like do all the, the different you know you can set the room out cabaret style or have it in rows it's perfect there's just something about that room that works really well for what I'm doing I really like it it's brilliant imagine yeah. if that was in Edinburgh you'd you think you'd struck gold if you walked in and that was your venue. It's true, yeah. So it's, got every, it's got everything that you need. It's so lovely. Oh, big shout out to Gullivers. They're so good. They are, and it's a nice pub as well. So it's like yeah. some, some venues that you're like, oh, this room's brilliant. Oh, but it's a rubbish pub. Whereas that, it's nice to sit and have a drink in afterwards, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you don't feel like you want to leave quickly, like as quick as you can.
2: Yeah. Oh oh God. Yeah. And the toilets are quite clean as well. And it's in the northern quarter, so it's good for people getting the train and the tram. And you know, it's everything about it, just particularly for the kind of work that I'm doing, is perfect. I wouldn't need to even, I wouldn't even need to sort of do it in a different venue until I'd moved on and then was doing more like if I needed a bigger space. But for the time being, for working through stuff, that was perfect. Right so what is the I don't want
1: to say plan because it's really hard to plan what's going to happen after lockdown but have you got like a sort of dream scenario as it were if like lockdown ended and everything went completely back to normal and how it was before what would be like your dream scenario and like oh. in terms of work like obviously putting on putting on your one woman show but is there like in terms of any other acting work is there something that you've always wanted to do
2: yeah I've always wanted to be in a sitcom that's like a thing I've always said ever since I went to university I was always like right it'll be my dream I set the stupid limit I was like I want to be in a successful sitcom by the time I'm 28 because that seemed really old at the time when I got to 27 I was like oh let's just I'll say that when I'm 30 and then I turned 30 and I was like right come on what's what's going on here now I'm 32 and I've still not been in a sitcom but that is. <laughs> that's I'd love to be in um, a really good sitcom. That's something that I'd love. Or like, comedy yeah. drama. I'd love that. So, like, uh, now- if there's
1: one one at the minute, like, something that's on air, well, either, or has been on air recently, which one, if you could pick one at the minute?
2: Oh, so, um, did you watch Pure that was on Channel 4? Didn't. I have heard of it, though. That was really good, because it's like, I wouldn't call it sitcom. I'd say it's more comedy drama, really, but it, but it is very funny. That one I'd say, Feel Good as well, which was on channel four. Is that the Mae Martin one? Yeah. That's yeah. Re- that's really good. I really like that. Um I do I do like a lot of British stuff really. But there's on I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix, there's something called Dead to Me.
1: Oh, yeah. How love it. I'm
2: that? all over
1: that show, yes. Yeah,
2: I love that. And I don't everyone I've spoken to hasn't seen it. None of my friends have really have really watched it. I love it. I, God, I've, I've actually watched it twice. It's so good, isn't it? Because it's it's hilarious, but it's so dark as well. Yeah. And I love, I mean, I love also the ending. I was like, no, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I was like, I need the next series right now. Oh, and it's knowing you're not going to get it till like
2: two years' time, at least. It's and so I've sad. been watching Flowers as well. The, I really like the first season. The second season goes mental. I've only seen a few episodes of the second one, though. I love that. I just love how weird it is, and that just that house is like my mum's house. It's just bonkers. Less money. My mum's got less money than that, but like a poorer version of that house. <laughs> a lot, yeah. So that kind of stuff where it's it's funny, but then it's a bit tragic and a bit dark as well. So sitcom yeah. probably the wrong the wrong way of of describing it because when you think of sitcom, you think of like a laughter track and stuff. And I don't mean that. I mean more comedy drama, really, with a bit of an edge. Is what I love. Have you ever watched No Offence?
1: No. Right. That's, that's a really, I love that as a comedy drama. Because that's like it's centered around like being a drama, but it hilarious. Because hilarious 'cause you've got like Joanna Scanlon. I I do recommend watching I've that. that down. Yeah. I think that's that's channel four. But again, channel four do produce some really, really good comedy dramas. Like they just they're, they just seem to have a knack for it, I think. Like their yeah, comedy is always
2: they have got a bit of an edge, haven't they? They are a bit different, and it is just sort of a bit more, like, offbeat, which I like, where it's just a, sort of something with a twist, yeah. Really.
1: Yeah, anything a bit weird and dark, I'm always all over.
2: Oh, I also loved The End of the Fucking World.
1: Yeah, I keep, that's that's been on a list of mine for ages, I and it's one of those I keep, that. like, forgetting. Yeah, I need to, I I need to watch that. that.
2: The main girl is, I think she's, well, they're, they're kids. Well, they're not. They're like 18, 16 or 18 or something. 16 to 18. So I'm too old. my Plain ages, I'm too old for that. But all the other bit parts in it are brilliant. And it's so weird. That's good. I really like that. Oh, but you know what else that I watched? Oh, God. It's cool. My friend recommended it to me. Obviously, I love Tiger King, so I was like, look, on the lookout for like a new Tiger King, and then my friend was like, it's not the new Tiger King, but it's really weird, you might like it, and it's called The Secret Millionaire, and it was this documentary that was on YouTube, and it's just about this this really boring bloke from Yorkshire that, to try and save his marriage, he pretended to win the lottery, and really boring. <laughs> And then he was like, "Oh, my wife kept asking me about how much I'd won, and I, oh, God, oh, I was getting myself in a racket, so I had to keep buying the lottery tickets to try and win the lottery, so I could stop lying." But I was spending <laughs> seventy quid a week on bloody lottery tickets, and it's it's madness. He's the most boring man, but it's such a fascinating story. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> That's <not laughs> my dream would be my dream? Wouldn't be to keep watching that rubbish. It would be that. Um, I get to keep doing my show, then I get good reviews. I imagine, you know, this is in an ideal world. People would really like it. And then I'd get to do something in, like, the studio of a theatre. Because it's a studio show. So I'd love to do something like the studio in the Lowry or the Exchange. I'd love that. And then I'd really like it to then, I can imagine the show being on radio as well. I'd love it to be developed for radio. And, like, a TV show as well. I'd love it to be like, did you ever watch Kraken yeah.
0: But then' I don't think I
2: did. Jack and Ollie. no crackken was the grown up one wasn't it? I'd love that where they just sit on like a really cool chair and they do their stories for grown ups. I'd love that oh, that's brilliant, yeah, so we've you've already like given
1: me some great recommendations, but mm. do you have your recommendation for us? you know you're either like your t v show, your podcast suggestion, obviously it would be this, but you know you can't recommend oh, this podcast yeah, on this yeah. podcast.
2: Brilliant, <laughs> and long, long walks, and you're washing up. This is perfect. So, oh, I've been re watching RuPaul's Drag Race when I'm like doing my housework and stuff because I just I love it. But, yes, dead to me is what I was going to say, but you've you've seen it and it's amazing. Everyone should watch that. It's amazing. It's really, really good, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I've i been reading James Acaster's classic Scrapes, which was a podcast as well, but I didn't. I mean, I love James A. Caster, but that wasn't a podcast I listened to. But um, I've been reading it as a book and it's so funny. Usually when I read a book, I won't really laugh out loud. I'll sort of appreciate that it's funny, but it won't actually make me laugh. Whereas this yeah. book, oh my God, you, you are in you are in fits of loud laughter throughout. It's really good. So it's all just like situations he's got himself into, which are just ridiculous. It's really good.
1: I mean, only he can as well. Like he he's one of those where it's like, this would only
2: happen to you, James. I say yeah. that like I
1: know him, like me and James know, but like...
2: Oh, he's brilliant. It, he, and I think oh. he comes from an odd family as well, so I've, I feel like a bit of an affinity with him. I'm like, oh, God, yeah, he's come from a weird family as well.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if you've not watched that Celebrity Break-Off episode with him oh. in it, it's just one of the best things.
2: Oh, God, oh, no. When he gets that cake out and he's like, I hate myself. <laughs> and it's like... Yes. When he's like, start making it. Had a mental breakdown, bon appétit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we all feel like that every day, don't we?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, just, I think it's a good metaphor for life.
2: Yeah, the days have <laughs> been over and you already had a mental breakdown. <laughs>
1: yes. Also, right, that's a good one. I'll uh, keep an eye out for that.
2: Oh, and Scientology documentaries. The what? Right, so me and my fiancé have been quite into like, Scientology documentaries. And there's that one, Leah Remini say her name wrong um the really pretty lady from kings of queens she was a scientologist and she's got a documentary on youtube that's called um troublemaker it is brilliant it's so interesting all about how she left scientology oh i want to watch that i love i'm i'm just I, like i'm not a conspiracy
1: uh a conspiracy theorist is that the word i think so yeah. Yes. yeah but with scientology i'm like i'm sorry but there's some deeper stuff going on here i'm like i'm convinced they like pay out for people to get certain roles in movies yeah. and stuff it's but because i mean but it's like when have you seen interviews with elizabeth moss no like I'm about not when Ah, oh, because like she's a scientologist and when people are like you play this role in the handmaid's tale which you should know all about you know what it's all about but, yeah. um and then they're like so how can you be part of you know an organization which is kind of the same thing and she just goes well i'm not going to answer that question
2: It's fascinating, isn't it? And I just feel sorry for those people once they get to OT level three operating thingy. Oh my God. You must Mm. be like, it's this little alien coming out of a volcano. Brilliant. Like what? (laughs) I'm a grown up and you show me that. I don't believe it. Yeah, so (laughs) anything like that, I've loved. I I know it's all really daft, like that millionaire bloke, like why is he lying about winning the lottery? But it's just, it's funny. It's a funny 40 minutes of your life. Yeah, right. I'm definitely going to watch. Is it trouble, Troublemaker? Oh, yeah. So the Leah Remini, Troublemaker. Yeah. And the other Excellent. one about, oh, that bloke from Yorkshire that fakes winning lottery. That is called The Secret Millionaire. And it's filmed in sort of, I'd say it's like early 2000s. So it's kind of like you see a shot of him on a fruit machine smoking and it's like, what is going on? So it's just dated <laughs> yeah. enough to be to be funny, but not dated enough to be cool. It's Yeah, it's brilliant uh caitlin do you have your recommendation i do is
0: this you Try remember yours again because you forgot it last week no i've actually i've actually got it ingrained in my memory
1: i'm quite good this, i've been good this week
0: <laughs> good good uh so mine this week as jenny can attest is a jigsaw puzzle because uh my mother sent me a jigsaw and it is doing my head in a little bit because it
1: that's, is, that's the biggest understatement you've ever made
0: <laughs> it's from a company called wentworth Puzzles and it has like weird shaped pieces and so I mean like there's like a guitar, there's a needle, there's a pot of paints, there's like all these really strange shapes and you'd think that would make the jigsaw easier. It does not. <laughs> I mean it's keeping me very entertained and keeping Jenny very entertained because I'm just yeah. like, in the corner at the table swearing at the jigsaw pieces. So yes, my overall my recommendation is going to be puzzles. But do a puzzle, it's great. That is my recommendation. Yeah, but I will, yeah, this, this jigsaw is, it's insane that there's no like actual edge pieces, pieces you think are edge pieces, go in the middle of the puzzle, it's, there's no corners, it's, it's, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you can't, you can't even separate it, you know, like, when you get like, co- you go, okay, there's all my corners and my edges and those are all the middle pieces, like, you can't even do that with this one. So oh I was like, I'm out, <laughs> 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 you're on your own,
0: Caitlin. <laughs> oh, Caitlin good luck with that and then my mum keeps messaging me for updates like i haven't done any more because i can't do it so it's it's It's
2: entertaining for my mother as well so then it's like you've just got to admit every day now that you're a failure like i still haven't done it (laughs) just thanks for the reminder (laughs) you're slowly getting there
0: all right come on danny what is yours this week
1: mine is a podcast another one it's like two podcasts on the in two weeks this now but it's called grounded and it's With Louis Theroux, who is just one of the best humans on the planet. My friend, well, Leah, who's been on, who was on a few weeks ago, she um, told me about it because I love Miriam Margulies is just an absolute icon. Oh, yeah. And what an absolute, hilarious, wonderful woman she is. But she messed me saying that Miriam was going to be on his podcast. So I was Mm. like, I've got to listen to that. And so it was the first one I listened to and it is literally it, again it was like laugh out loud like I, I'll usually listen to them either if I go on a walk or like just before going to sleep so and that was a mistake to listen to to before going to sleep because I was properly laughing in bed <laughs> and I was like I don't know what my neighbors are going to be thinking that I'm doing <laughs> but <laughs> but oh it's such joy and he's so I listened to that one and the one he's done with Helena Bonham Carter as well which again is just amazing And, like, if you've watched his documentaries, he's just so good at interviewing people and just chatting and getting information out of people that maybe they usually wouldn't divulge with other people. So I do... And they're only about, like, an hour long. So I do recommend them because he's he's just wonderful. And, like, honestly, the Miriam Margulies one and even the Helena Bonham Carter one, you will just laugh all the way through. Right, this is my favourite question time. Um... So, Ilaria,
0: what's the day today? Are we on Thursday?
1: Uh, It's Thursday, isn't it? It is
0: Thursday, the 11th of June.
1: Yes, thanks, Caitlin. That's why I need you around. That's
0: (laughs) my life. Yeah. So, it's Thursday, the 11th of June. Ilaria,
1: what are you wearing today?
2: Oh, I am wearing... Oh, God, I'm... Oh, no. So, I'll start with that. (laughs) I'm wearing some pink socks with avocados on. What a hip to and out. And then I'm wearing some, like, olive green Lucien yak dungarees.
1: Oh, I'm so jealous. Oh, I've got I, I'm dying shirt. for some Lucien yak. Oh, there my God, I'm dying there. for some of them. That's I so good.
2: Comfy. And then I've just got on, like, um, an orange, like, ribbed t shirty thing underneath. Nice.
1: Oh, and orange and olive green. I like that. Yeah, oh, I can of, see it.
2: Orange, like a
1: rusty. Oh yeah. Yeah, looking good. Nice. I also am loving the socks as well.
2: Yeah, that's I a strong fun contender. Fun. Yeah, I do like fun socks.
1: Yeah.
0: It has been the footwear that has got the the best reaction so far on this podcast. It is. We yeah. had the the sequin shoe. Wow. We had yeah. the fish slippers.
2: The and fish now li- we've got.
0: avocado socks so really it's footwear people well girl
2: i'm not i don't want to blow Um, your mind too much but when i go for my walk after this i'm gonna obviously the socks will be staying on but then i've bought a new pair of converse that are like the boot ones that are orange with daisies on
0: oh that
2: combo is gonna yeah it's gonna be quite satisfying for me (laughs)
1: Well, no one else will know. They'll see the shoes and be like, oh, good shoes. You should be like, mate, you should see the socks. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's like my dirty secret. (laughs) Uh,
0: Jenny always um, picks my shoes when I I go out I've got three pairs of cons. So I ask every day, well, whenever whenever I go out, which ones I should wear. And the other day she couldn't decide between my rainbow ones and my sparkly ones. So I did wear one of each. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, wow. God,
2: that's a statement, isn't it? Yeah. It's great as well. Don't let her control you. It's too late. I'm full <laughs> control now. <laughs> it, looks, it,
0: it keeps her happy and quiet, and she's an yeah. actor, so I'll, I'll take this small victory.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, it's been so nice chatting to you, Laria. Hi.
2: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it's been really nice getting to know you, and hopefully it's we'll nice. be able to like actually meet, you know, in person, which oh, seems bizarre in these times but um, yeah Also, if you ever do like another preview of your show you know before Camden let us know because I do really want to come and see it
2: yeah oh I've, I've whetted your appetite have I yeah I'll invite you, you have.
1: yes do let us know that'll oh, be great and then we can have a hopefully it'll be in Gulliver's and then we can have a drink in the great pub afterwards You know.
2: Oh, it'll be lovely I'll I'll wear my converses you'll be wearing your converses <laughs> we'll all Oh, it'll be great hopefully I'll have some loose and yak dungarees by then Oh, get saving up. Do you know I what? Know. Bro? They are worth the money because they they last and last and last. They're, and oh my god, you'll never have comfort like it.
1: Yeah. Well, I've actually I have actually asked some for my birthday from uh, my mum. I was like, please,
2: please, I don't want anything else, just these. I've got a teal pair and. They go with everything. You wouldn't think that that colour would, but... And I've got the sunflower ones. They weirdly go with everything as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I see the sunflower ones are just amazing. Yeah, and they do go with
2: everything, anything. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, I can't wait. It'll be brilliant, girls.
1: Yes. Oh, thank you so much. It honestly has been such a joy chatting to you.
2: It's been lovely. And also, thank you for asking to be on. That was so nice. We were like, oh, someone oh, requested. Oh, I shove my finger in another pie. I was like, oh, this looks good. Amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Well, yeah, we'll let you go now anyway. But thank you so much. And hopefully we might chat to you soon.
2: Yeah, lovely. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Collective Hunch. What, what number of episode are we on now? Was that, th- was that 13 or 12? That was 12.
1: That was 12. That was 12. Because we're in week 12 of lockdown. And we have actually, I realised that each episode is like how long we've been in lockdown for. So when we release an episode, um, so this one would be 12, then you know you've, we've been in lockdown for 12 weeks. So if you ever need to wonder how long it's been on for, just have a look at how many episodes we've released and there's your answer.
0: That's a little bit depressing.
1: It is, but also I feel like it's gone quickly. Weirdly, like some weeks, like, I feel like this week has gone by quickly. But also some weeks just seem to last for a year. But then if you think about how we're already, like, near the middle of June,
0: that's mental. It is a little bit rising.
1: Yeah. Especially when it's saying it's going to be really sunny, like 24 degrees tomorrow. And when you think about when we went into lockdown, it was like 10 degrees and really cold.
0: Also, it's a bit grim, currently.
1: Oh, it is grim today. Really grim.
0: Yesterday
1: as well. Oh, no. I don't like. I don't mind the rain when it's nice and bright and sunny. Then I'm like, yes, cool me off. This is nice. But when it's dark as well, it makes the apocalypse even worse. Yeah,
0: I'm not enjoying the apocalypse to be honest.
1: No, it's 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 been better. I'm a bit bored of the apocalypse now. I'm kind of rather have zombies because at least then you've got something to focus on each time. Like, each week, you're like, how many zombies have I killed this week? Oh, okay, 82. Excellent. And then, you know, you're always... Your mind is always stimulated because you're wondering where to go next, where you're going to get your
0: next bit of food from, if there's going to be any zombies to kill on the way. I'm, I'm glad we've pivoted this podcast to zombie apocalypse. Yeah. I'm very proud of this fact. Yeah. I do love
1: a zombie apocalypse. Well, well, I don't, obviously. I don't want it to happen, but... um. I do enjoy watching things based on the zombie apocalypse. Although I don't like the ones where zombies run fast because I'm like, no, 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 no. If I'm going to be up against zombies, they can't be able to walk properly. They have
0: to be really slow. Yeah, you want slow zombies you can get away from. Yeah, like walking dead zombies. I mean, that seems fair.
1: Yeah, not like the World War Z ones, which was an awful film. I'm sorry, but I really didn't enjoy that film, mainly because the zombies are fast. Is
0: that the Brad Brad Pitt one? It is. I haven't seen it. No,
1: I wouldn't. You're not missing out on much. But then that is my opinion. I have to say that as well. You know, to be democratic.
0: Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we've established democracy on this podcast. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. it's always good, you know. Don't be a dick, as we've said in the f- intro. <laughs> What's the next yeah, bit I have I, to say? like
0: <laughs> our very long, ranty intro. Yes. I mean, basically what I meant by that is, be nice to Lauren and Lauren and Grace who were the ones that were thinking of <laughs>
1: And Lauren, and Lauren, and Lauren. <laughs> Basically, anyone named Lauren be nice to. Well, actually, I can yeah. think of a few Laurens I maybe don't like.
0: No, thinking, I think I like all the Laurens that... I mean, not that I know Lauren or Lauren, personally. Actually, <laughs> no, I've just thought of Lauren that I don't like. I think i probably thinking of the same one. I know. <laughs> yes, we
1: definitely are. Anyway, if you want to watch all 12 watch no that's wrong if you want to listen to all 12 episodes of this podcast to be reminded that you have been in lockdown for 12 weeks you can find us on uh, itunes which i'm still really excited about because it's been what two weeks that we've been
0: allowed to be on itunes uh, this will be the third episode i think That excellent i mean they're all on there now but this will be the third one that Gets released at the same time, whereas the other ones kind of just appeared. appeared.
1: Awesome, but yes. So
0: go and look on there, and then once you have, find us
1: on social media, and don't be a dick to us. So on Twitter, we are at Hunch Collective, and on Facebook, we are the Collective Hunch Podcast. Like us, rate us, review us, all of that jazz. Let us know what you think, and if you do want to be interviewed, do email us and let us know, or contact us on social media. Um, And if you know us personally, you can also message us and ask us. Yes, do all that. And then please join us next week for The Collective Hunch.